Take your Bible, turn with me, if you will, this morning to Exodus chapter 3. As we just continue on the series that we've been doing on uh, learning from the testimonies of Old Testament men and women. And this morning we're going to look at the testimony of one of the most prominent men in the Old Testament, Moses. And if Moses was with us this morning, gave his testimony, there are three things that he would tell us about leadership. This worship center is filled with people who have leadership roles and responsibilities. Some of you serve as deacons, and you are entrusted with leadership responsibility to look after the spiritual welfare and physical welfare of the church family. Many of you serve on different committees, and you make decisions, and you make recommendations that not only uh, impact the life of the church now, but literally the future of the Wind Baptist Church. Some of you serve as leadership and leadership as Sunday school teachers, and you, week after week, lead your class in the study of God's Word, in the building of fellowship, and the reaching of people to Jesus. Some of you serve in leadership, in, in student ministry, and in children's ministry and and going into the summer we're about to have vacation bible school and and children and student camps and i want you to know for those of you in those critical areas of leadership that these just aren't activities that we provide for our young people and children i look back in my own life and vacation bible school and camps were always those times that God spoke to my life in a special and a powerful way. It was through Vacation Bible School that God did the greatest work that led to my salvation. It was at camp where I came to grips with God's purpose for my life. And so those of you that are in leadership in those areas, it is your responsibility to provide the environment for children and young people to hear God as he speaks, some of them coming into a saving relationship with him, some of them coming to grips with a deeper commitment and a more intimate walk with the Lord. And, and for many, just to hear God speak about his purpose and his will for their lives. There are many of you, that's mothers and dads and grandparents, who have the most critical leadership responsibility of all, and that is of bringing your children and your grandchildren up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, shaping their lives for now and for eternity. So everyone has leadership role and responsibility. And we need to hear from Moses. I think in the Old Testament there are a lot of leaders that are given to us, David, Nehemiah, and on. But Moses stands out as the greatest leader 
in the Old Testament. In fact, he next to Jesus, he would be the greatest leader in all of the Bible. And when I started preparing, looking at Moses and leadership, I, I sat down on Memorial Day and I wrote down ten different things that we could learn from leadership on Moses. Knew that was too big. And so I worked hard just to bring it down to the essence. What would he say to us about leading? What would he say to our deacons? What would he say to you committee members? What would he say to you Sunday school teachers? What would he say to you leaders of young people and children? What would he say to you parents? Let me give it to you. Number one, Moses would tell us that leadership is from the presence of God. If you study the, the, the life of Moses at every key moment, there is in it this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. There were a lot of examples that we could give to, to illustrate this, but let me just give you three. The first one <coughs> is found in Exodus 3, and it is Moses meeting God at the burning bush, the revelation of God's will to him, and the promise of God's presence with him. Moses has been in the backside of the desert in Midian for 40 years. And he was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro. And he led the flocks to the west side uh, and came to Hebron, the mountain of God. That mountain will become key in not only Moses' life, but in your life and my life, as it is the place where God reveals himself. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, can you just imagine? Here Moses is. He's just working. He's leading the flocks. And all of a sudden, he sees this unusual sight. Here's a fire around a bush, but the bush is not being burned up. And he stops and he looks, and the Lord is going to speak to him. And, 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 and he looked, and behold, the uh, bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight and why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And then the Lord said, Don't come near. Take the sandals off of your, face, your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. I want you to know the presence of God is never something common. If you and I don't stand in wonder and awe and astonishment of the greatness of God, we'll never experience the real presence of God. God said, don't come to me just in a casual way. Take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground because I am here. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of the, your father, 
uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on God. He said, it's just too great, too awesome. And then God speaks to Moses and reveals his purpose. He says, I've heard the cry of my people in, in Egypt, and I'm going to redeem them, and I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, that shook Moses to his core. And he said, what, and who am I that, that, that you would send me, and how can I... I come to Pharaoh and tell him such a thing. Look at verse 12. He, the Lord, said, But I will be with you. I said, I'm sending you to do a task, but I'm not sending you out alone. You're going in my presence and in my power. And so Moses will take on the most audacious task imaginable. As a shepherd, he'll go to the mightiest man on earth and say to this pagan Pharaoh, let the people of God go. And it all comes out of the presence of God. Second example I would give you is on a, after the children of Israel have been brought out of of Egypt by the Passover lamb, the great picture of our salvation. And Moses has led them through the wilderness. They come to Mount Sinai. He comes down with the law. They don't observe it, and he breaks the law. And Moses builds what is called the tent of meetings outside of the camp. This is before the tabernacle. The tabernacle will come later on in Exodus. And the tabernacle is always the very center of, of Israel. Whenever they would move, they'd set up the, the tabernacle and, and they would set up their tents and all of the tents would face to the tabernacle because the presence of God is central. But before the tabernacle, Moses built the tent of meeting outside of the camp. And in the morning when... Moses would leave to go out to the tent of meetings. The people of Israel would stand at, at their tent open gate and they would watch him. Because when he did, when, when Moses would go out, the cloud, the pillar of cloud that was the presence of God would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent of the Lord. And God, the Lord, would speak to Moses. Look at verse 10. It said, And when all of the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all of the people would rise up and worship at, their, at his tent door. Now listen to verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Isn't that utterly remarkable? That there was such intimacy that Moses had with God that God would speak to him as a friend. But, but, 
but, but Moses wasn't satisfied with that. He comes down in verse 13, and he says, Now, therefore, I have if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your life. Lord, I know you as a friend, but I want to know you more and more. And then he hears God's command for him to take the people forward. And in verse 14, he says, My present will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses responds, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. You know what he was simply saying? God, your presence is more important than anything in life. I can't do anything apart from your presence. The third example of, of the presence of God in the life of Moses and his leadership comes in, in Exodus 34. Moses has gone back up on the mountain for the second time to receive the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. And he comes down. He's been 40 days in the presence of the Lord. And it says in verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that, his, that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Here Moses is. He comes down off of the mountain, and there is the glow of the presence of God in his life. He doesn't know it. He's not aware of it. But everybody else could see Moses has been alone with God. And they stood in awe of his leadership. If Moses were to say anything to us, then all of the leadership roles and responsibility that you have, he would say this, that being with God comes before doing for God. In fact, there is no power without the presence of God. I've been preaching the Word for over 50 years. And yet every time I leave my seat to walk to this pulpit or any pulpit. I'm overwhelmed by the awareness, and I cry out in prayer, God, unless you do something, nothing of eternal significance will happen today. If you're not present, if you're not working, nothing will really happen. But there is always great power when God is present. A few years ago, one of my dearest friends, he's not with us any longer, and I were talking about uh, men, leaders who had influenced and impacted our lives greatly. We talked about men like Gray Allison, 
Adrian Rogers, Bobby Moore, and others. And as we talked about how God had used them in our lives, we understood that their leadership influence did not come from their strong personalities or from their giftedness. Though they were strong personalities and they were greatly gifted, there are other people who have strong personalities and great gifts that don't have much influence. But what distinguished these men is that they were godly men who spent much time in the presence of God. And so when you heard them, whether they were preaching or whether they were speaking to a small group or whether you were talking to them one-on-one, they didn't speak to your head. They spoke to your heart because they had been with God. Do you understand that you and I uniquely live in the presence of God. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent in two. The separation was ended. You and I live in the presence of God. You and I enjoy His presence by spending time with him daily in his word and prayer. and I pray that you'll be like Moses, that God will speak to you face-to-face as a friend, that you're so hungry to hear from him. You and I know his presence by abiding in Christ, walking in a daily, intimate, conscious, enjoying relationship with Jesus. You and I live in the presence of God as we live filled with the Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us when we were saved, regenerated us, and now He wants to take control of our lives. And you and I know the presence of God as we walk in the Spirit. And I would say to you, there's all the difference in the world between a vague awareness of God's presence and a profound and an overwhelming awareness of God's presence. And I would say to you, you have leadership responsibility. You have influence. What you do has impact on the lives of others. Deacon, you ought to never, ever go to a deacon's meeting without coming from the presence of God and walking in in the presence of God. Committee member, it's not just a matter of getting together and listening to different opinions and deciding which one. I want to know it is the will of God, and the only way you can know the will of God is walking in the presence of God. Parent, you cannot shape your child's life for now and eternity 
apart from God working mightily in you and through you, it is imperative that you live daily in your home in the presence of God. Moses would tell us that leadership isn't something that you learn out of a book. It isn't something that comes from secular sources. It is spiritual leadership that comes to us from the presence of God. Second thing that Moses would tell us is not only do we lead from the presence of God, he would tell us that you lead with the courage of conviction. As you read the life of Moses, everything that he does is based on the Word of God. He just simply does what God tells him to do. And it is biblical convictions that are the strength, is the strength of real spiritual leadership. I mean, look at it in, in Moses' life. It was that biblical conviction, that word of the Lord, that would cause him to come to Pharaoh and to confront the most powerful man on earth at that time with the word of the Lord, saying, let my people go, and to persist with it through the diff nine different plagues until finally God calls the tenth plague, and, and that is the death angel would pass over the land and would slay the firstborn of every household, child and flock, but God provides salvation for his people by the blood of the Passover lamb. Do you think it took courage to face someone like Pharaoh? You don't just pump that up in your life. It comes from the clear word of God. It was that biblical conviction that would allow Moses to face difficulty after difficulty. The first one that happens is after they come out of, out of the land and, and, and they get to the Red Sea, they look back, Pharaoh has changed his mind, he's pursuing with his army, and because uh, he was leading a bunch of Baptists, they just began to murmur, well, why did you lead us out here uh, to perish in, in the desert, it would have been better to say in, in Israel. And Moses stands up on the rock and lifts up that rod and says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you all, I'm going to be disappointed if I get to heaven and Moses doesn't look like Charleston Heston standing there. <laughs> and the water parts. And Israel goes through on dry ground. And when Pharaoh's army comes in, the waters come back and drown the enemy. I want you to take courage to face difficulties and to hear God say, I'll do the impossible. I want you to know it took courage for Moses to lead a complaining people in the will of God. I mean, just at every hand, wherever he would lead them, 
whenever they had a difficulty, they would murmur. They'd just grumble. Why'd you leave us out here? Moses, why, what's wrong with you? You know, they, they really were angry at God, but they were wise enough not to talk to God that way, so they just talked to Moses. It had been easy for Moses to say, well, Lord, I must God, forget these people. But God's called him. God's spoken to him. He's to take them out, to bring them to the promised land, give them the Ten Commandments, give them the presence of God in the tabernacle, lead them to the promised land. And it was biblical conviction that gave him courage to stick to it. Now listen to me. You have leadership responsibility. You're going to make decisions that impact this church now and into the future, that impact lives, people who will come to know Jesus and people who will grow to Jesus, to, to, to grow up in Jesus. And I want to tell you something, and, and, and hear my heart. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It matters what God's Word says is His purpose for the church. Can I tell you something? We are about something much bigger than any one of us. We're about expanding the kingdom. We're about impacting lives with the gospel. We're about building up the body of Christ. We are about the glory of God, and it takes courage to do the will of God. I'll never forget. We uh, decided we would turn Wednesday night into uh, prayer time. That's just what we're going to do. We're going to gather, going to pray. Pray for all kinds of different needs, pray in all different kinds of ways. How a deacon came to me. He said, well, I, I won't be back on Wednesday nights until we change back what we used to do. And I said, why? He said, well, I don't know what in the world anybody would pray uh, for anything more than five minutes. My heart just broke. We don't have the power of biblical conviction to govern our lives. We forfeit our influence. Third thing that Moses would tell us, you lead from the presence of God. You lead with the courage of biblical conviction. And then you lead with humility. Just think about Moses. Moses confronts Pharaoh. He is involved in the greatest picture of our salvation in the Old Testament, in the Passover land. land. 
He goes up on Mount Sinai and God gives the Ten Commandments to him. He is a prophet that uh, the Bible says foretells Jesus as the prophet. He is the inspired writer of the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, if anybody could say, man, look at me and what I've done, it would have been Moses. But when God gave testimony to Moses, you know what he said about Moses' leadership? It's found in Numbers 12, verse 3. It says, and the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very meek, very humble more than all of the people who were on the face of the earth. He was humble. Now listen, meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. Under control of the Lordship of Jesus. And you look at the Bible. Humility is absolutely essential to be used by God. In Isaiah 66, 1, the Lord said, The heavens is my throne, the earth is my footstool. I'm above all. I am over all. And then in verse 2, he says, But I look upon the one who is humble and contrite in spirit who trembles at my word. Humility is absolutely essential to the blessing of God. James 4, 6 says that God resists the proud. And you can put always there. God always resists the proud and God gives grace to the humble. Humility is absolutely essential to growing in Christ's likeness of life. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29 Jesus said, take my yoke upon me. Be committed to my lordship. Enroll in my school, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. How do you lead with humility? Can I just give you five things? One, live in dependence upon God and not self. And that simply says, what's entrusted to us is greater than us. Left to myself in the flesh, I can't do anything to the glory of God. I can't impact lives. It's only as you and I live in absolutely dependence upon him, God, you work with, with, in me and through me, 
or nothing really is going to happen. It's you or nothing. Two, you exalt Jesus and not self. Spiritual leadership is quick to quote what John the Baptist said. He must increase and I must decrease. Leadership is not about me getting the attention. Spiritual leadership is about Jesus getting the attention. Three, listen to others. None of us, none of us has all the knowledge. None of us knows everything that we need to know. And God's joined us together where we we are to be iron sharpening iron and we are to be people who are helping one another. Four, be a team player. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul said, we're like a body. We're different members, but we're all essential. None of us exist to ourselves and for ourselves. We are a part of the body, and every part is absolutely essential, and the only way the will of God can be done is if all the parts are complementing one another. And if that doesn't happen, you're in trouble. When uh, I was a junior in high school, we had a talented football team. I mean, we had some guys that had some real athletic gifts. But while we had all of this giftedness, we had a losing season. And the reason is we didn't know how to play as a team. We were playing our arch rivals, Blyville. And it was late in the first quarter, fourth quarter, and we were driving for the winning touchdown. And David Blair carried the ball all the way down, three, four yards at a time. I mean, we went from the 20 all the way down to the five on David's back. He just ground it out, ground it out, ground it out. We got to the five-yard line, we got in the huddle, and our quarterback, who was kind of a prima donna, well, wasn't, he was a prima donna, and he said, he called the play and said, I'll carry the ball into the end zone. Everybody knew what he wanted. He wanted not the hard work, he wanted the glory. He wanted his name in the newspaper. And a huge argument broke out in the huddle. I mean, a hostile argument. David brought us all the way down. Let David take the ball in. He said, no, no, I'm going to carry it in. You know what happened? We snapped the ball. That was the center. And nobody blocked. And we lost four yards. We got back in the huddle. There's out. I'm going to carry it again. The same thing happened. And then it happened two more times. 
We never gained another yard. We ended up losing 15 yards. Just because we wouldn't work as a team. I want you to know, there's no I in team. We're a part of the body of Christ. Not about having my way, not you having your way, it's him having his way through his body. And then the fifth thing that I would say to you, if you're going to lead with humility, you do it as a servant leader. And a servant leader is concerned about the spiritual welfare and success of those he leads. The question is not, will you ever be a leader? In one way or another, you are. You have responsibility. Whether it's as a parent, a grandparent, whether it's as a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a committee member, whether it's a part of one of our ministries to senior adults or students or children, you have great responsibility. Lead from the presence of God. Lead with the courage that comes from the Word of God. Here's what God says we're to be. And lead with humility. Can I tell you something? There'll be no one in the kingdom of God who's not humble. Because the first act of becoming a Christian is repenting of my sins. I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit as I hear the gospel, I repent of my sin. I turn to Jesus. And I trust what he has done to save. And I entrust my life to him. If we begin with humility, we continue with humility. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. I want to ask you not to lead like Moses. I want to ask you to lead like Jesus. Because that's really what Moses is talking about. Most character qualities that Jesus becomes the master example of. And if you've uh, been more important about getting your way than his way, there's only one way to deal with that, and that's repentance. It really is. We're about kingdom business and the glory of God. Some of you just need to say, I want to be committed to being the leader God wants me to be. I want to be like Moses. I'm not satisfied where I am. I, Lord, I just want to know your ways more. And you might just find a place here in this altar. Some of you here this morning, and your need is to come to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to humble yourself.
Repent of your sins. Trust Jesus.